Yo, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Father's Day is almost here, um, and we have a special double header, actually, for you today. Uh, but first, I want to make sure to thank everybody who came out to the Roots Music Project in Boulder last Saturday for the second edition of Mile High Stash Live, featuring my guest Steve Varney of Gregory Allen is a Cobb's Band, and opening act Rachel Slyker from the River, Arkansas. I was pretty terrified to uh, interview Steve or anybody in front of um, an audience, such an attentive audience too, but that particular uh, audience in Boulder was so supportive and fun, and it was a great time. I'll be doing another live episode of Mile High Stash this fall at Roots, so stay tuned for that. Okay, so today we have a Father's Day <laughs> doubleheader. I do like baseball and doubleheaders especially. Um, first up is singer-songwriter Sarah Cahoon a Littleton, Colorado native who is opening for the, uh, the Head and the Heart at Red Rocks on June 29th. Um, Sarah and I spoke about eight years ago for a newspaper article, and I just totally fell in love with her music and got to meet her at the Fox Theater in Boulder back then too. Um, I'm very excited to share our conversation and Sarah's Mile High Stash choices, too. Uh, she's an amazing musician and a great person, too. After you hear my chat with Sarah Cahoon, stick around for something completely different. A Father's Day interview with my dad, Tom Perry. Um, growing up in Pittsburgh, I learned about classic rock from the time I could walk. I mean, some of my first memories are of hearing you know, Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And um, although my dad quit playing guitar and singing in wedding bands when I was, I don't know, six or seven, some of my first jam sessions in my life after I started playing the drums at age nine were with my dad, who would play guitar and sing stuff like uh, Sunshine of Your Love by Cream while I tried to be the 11-year-old <laughs> ginger baker, you know. My dad has never made an album, and and I don't know that he's ever played a show with an original band because his life as a, a working musician was playing cover songs at weddings in, in the Pittsburgh area. But he's one of those secretly really good guitar players who plays in his office, you know, and and one of those giving, kind people who deserve their stories to be heard, even if they're not famous. Because fam famous doesn't mean much if you're not a good person. All right. Happy Father's Day to all the devoted, involved, loving fathers out there. Batting first, here's my chat with the incredible singer-songwriter Sarah Cahoon to start off the doubleheader. Hey, how are you? How's it going? Really good. I'm glad we could do this. Oh, me too. I'm so sorry. For the, I was like, no. I was on a, it's super nice here. 
oh, like yeah. which is you know it, it we got to take it when we can get it because yeah. it's usually nice but then it'll be raining so anyhow um i was just down at the park like walking around I was yeah. like, oh shit oh so and i dragged you back inside <laughs> no i was on my way i just was like oh no i totally just screwed yeah. up my timing so anyhow nice to be here with you we're getting a seattle slash amsterdam weather in boulder right now so maybe it's just swapped okay you know yeah i heard that the weather was weird going on there i, I don't know yeah colorado's always all over the place yeah well it's been like it's been raining for three days and it's supposed to rain until um the middle of next week so oh wow well i think that'll make for like a really green summer it'll be nice yeah yeah i mean that's needed there you know (laughs) yeah yeah so sarah cahoon um a a native of littleton right yep yeah and and you're currently in washington right yep in seattle yeah and you've been there for a long time right yeah i moved here in 98 so oh wow a very long time (laughs) it must have must have been really inexpensive back then yeah you know i really should have bought a house back then i really (laughs) screwed up (laughs) right (laughs) you know now it's like impossible to buy anything here pretty much i mean i guess it's a lot like denver yeah you know you were originally um when you first got into um the music world you were a drummer in bands right Mm -hmm. yeah i still do a lot of drumming but that that was my main that's my main instrument for sure and i drummed in a lot of well not a lot but before i moved to seattle i was playing in bands and and when i moved to seattle i actually didn't even bring my drums because i i was just kind of wanting to take a break and Mm. try to really start playing open mics and stuff and yeah you know on the guitar and make myself uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know um, was band of horses kind of the last band that you were a full-time drummer in well band of horses it was actually i i, I just played on the for that record oh, okay. you know so yeah. i was in a band with ben before oh. that called carissa's weird out here oh yeah i've heard of that and so that. you know that that the band of horses i just played on the record i'm not i wasn't in the band okay. you know there's always the, some miscommunication yeah, there yeah. but well, thanks um, for clearing that up yeah yeah and they're my you know they're my good buds and uh-huh. um and i you know i did some touring with patrick park who's living in colorado now he was mm-hmm. in la um and i uh i just kind of like drum for i drum in like a, a female blues band out here mm-hmm. and just try to keep I uh, my friend Margot Silker as well that I just produced some of her records and I played all those drums. So I'm still heavily a drummer, but just not quite as much as I used to. When did you take up, you know, singer songwriting as your sort of main thing? Yeah, I started like, you know, kind of junior high, high school. I just kind of kept ta- like teaching myself because I I felt like I loved drums. I was obsessed with them. I played them all the time, but I was feeling a little limited, you know, in my creativity mm-hmm. where a lot of times being a drummer, you have to rely on other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, yeah, I just, I wanted more. I, I never was like, oh, I want to be a singer. You know, I, I think I have this amazing voice or can write these amazing songs, but I just wanted to try. And um, I feel like it came pretty natural to me 
so that just kind of yeah that just started to kind of happen and and then people started to really like him so yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um i remember very distinctly hearing um i think it's called only as the day is long yeah when it came out in 2008 right yeah yeah and that that year was just this um incredible output for sub pop there yeah. were so many amazing albums helio sequence fleet totally. boxes you and they were all amazing and they were all really different yeah totally yeah yeah iron and wine i think too yeah Flight of the concords even i think was on yeah there, like there's a lot going on for sure yeah it's very exciting to be a part of you know um yeah it's like all over the place they, they definitely were starting to kind of like rot in there like wasn't just grunge yeah you know? yeah which is cool yeah do you feel like that album is what kind of cemented your sound um i don't that's a really hard question i don't yeah. think so but i don't know you know i did play in a in a band you know i was that that record was the the my very first record was a self-titled one yeah. that i just kind of did on my own i played all the drums and kind of pieced it all together so mm -hmm. only as a day's long was for sure the first record that you know is pretty much all band i think i played one song on the drums mm -hmm. and you know so that that was definitely yes i guess i could say that that <laughs> my band definitely had a big a part of forming a lot of the songs and so yeah. we went we went in more as a band and the same kind of deer creek canyon as well so yeah i guess i could say that's true in a lot of ways do you feel like having grown up in colorado maybe um, you were exposed to music that isn't as much West Coast um, that maybe seeped its way into your sound? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think, um, like, I was pretty obsessed with what was going on in the, the West, you know, like mm -hmm. Nirvana and all the grunge and like all the Bikini Kill and all, mm -hmm. you know, like female empowerment. And like, I just was, I thought it was so cool. So moving here, I just wanted almost to like I was so into that but yeah my music grow you know growing up I definitely listened to a lot you know I think formed of I liked a lot of folk I liked a lot of 70s I which I still do but I I think like coming into this environment yeah it was kind of more indie rock in these ways mm -hmm. that I was a part of you know like I, I kind of was playing in bands like that too so I definitely think the two collided in an interesting way some of the songs on deer creek canyon even border on a bluegrass influence like nervous wreck yeah 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 i think i you know especially during those records i was listening to a lot of country obviously mm -hmm. i mean i always do but um i i think i that one just kind of like i just started doing a lick on my guitar i think i just was messing around and i was like mm. oh that's kind of cool yeah and then i just yeah i went i was really um i mean i love country so i just that's just i don't think i'm you know i don't i don't necessarily come from the country i mean mm. but i just it's heavily i just love that's what i listen to majority of the time so what kind of music was in uh, your home <laughs> When you were um, growing, up. growing up my mom played a lot of like folk and 70s like dan Fogel Fogelberg and mm -hmm. 
Fleetwood Mac was huge and like Steve Miller band and just I just you know like kind of all over the place and you know there's still some country elements in there in ways but definitely soft, like a soft rock was she was just always playing music so yeah um John Denver you know all the things from the 70s one of my good friends is uh Steve Varney um, from Gregory Allen oh yeah yeah I love band. Steve yeah he's, he's such also, a sweetheart well he's from the same town as you too yeah I know same yeah. school yeah. too yeah and you've toured with with those guys yeah I did a couple tours with Gregory um just guys I love those I love them yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah they're just so talented and <laughs> sweethearts I play drums and I play with Jeb and this oh, cool. one time we were on tour in Belgium and I was in charge of the stereo most of the time, just because I'm a Nazi that way. And <laughs> and uh, I put on Deer Creek Canyon, and he said, "What is this? I think I know this." And <laughs> and I said, "That's Sarah." And he goes, "Oh, Sarah's Sarah's oh. awesome." Oh, yeah. that's sweet. He's such a sweetheart too. Yeah, Every, all of them are just yeah, yeah, lovely people. How do you keep kind of um, a toe in Colorado, living so far away? Well, you know, my whole family's there. So yeah. um, I, you know, I try to get home at least twice a year. And, you know, my good friend Patrick just moved back there too. And Jean, my my good friend Jean, and, and one of my best friends, Heather, is still there. So I have a lot of people that are really important to me that are still there. So I, I just try to go back as much as I can. And um, obviously I don't get to see Gregory and mm -hmm. Steve very often, but... Um, I try to as much as I can. So yeah, yeah just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause a friend was like, well, how do you, how do you describe where you're from? Like, do you say you're from Seattle? Do you say you're from hmm. Colorado? And it's interesting. Cause I'm like, Oh, like when I'm in Seattle, I always say I'm from Colorado. Right. Which is funny. And if I'm away, I'm like, I, I live in Seattle, but I'm from Colorado. So it's, it's I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> I still feel like, <laughs> Colorado to me is is my home, you know. Yeah. But it's not because I haven't been home for so long. There's nothing like the place that you're you're literally from, you know, where you were born and you grew yeah. up. Uh, nothing can ever replace that. But then also there's nothing like the first place where you felt like you should be and you chose. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. True. <laughs> Have you been I mean, I'm starting to get I'm from Pittsburgh and then I lived in San Francisco and now in a few years I'll have spent more time away from my the place yeah. where I'm from than I ever lived there and I think that'll be kind of a big deal yeah yeah I could I could see that I mean thankfully I I have you know I I do get to go home because I, I you know my family's there so I yeah I thankfully do get to go back to Colorado a lot yeah um, but it, it it is interesting because I was like yeah it's like people are always like, well, what should I do in Denver? And I'm like, I actually don't know. Like I've been gone so long. <laughs> yeah. And when I get, a, when I go home, I'm mainly just trying to be with my family. Mm -hmm. So I don't really get a lot of time to do much. So I've tried so many times, literally because of your song. I'm a big cyclist and I've tried to do Deer Creek Canyon. Oh, and yeah. every time that I found the time, it's been closed. They oh close really? It. Yeah, like from oh, mud. And... Oh dang! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's such a beautiful 
canyon i mean my mom lives up on top of the mountain so mm-hmm. she has to drive it all the time and she has yeah. to come down for groceries and stuff but it's it it gets easier like but i'm always seeing people riding their bike up there and i mm-hmm. think i'm like they're insane you know <laughs> <laughs> like mainly just wow what how badass can you be to do that like it just seems very challenging but. it's childhood trauma that's why that's why we all do it. <laughs> <laughs> i love it i mean i don't i don't love the childhood <laughs> trauma sorry <laughs> i'm gonna ask you about this this big show that you have coming up but first um there is a question that's a crazy question that i ask all of the guests on this podcast mile high stash is what five albums you would take to a remote colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse, armed, <laughs> armed only with food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola. And you can uh, give me, give me like two. Um, I'm going to say Lucinda Williams, oh. um, Happy Woman Blues is like one of, I just couldn't listen to that all freaking day. Yeah. I love uh, God. This is hard because, like, my music's all over the place. Mm-hmm. I like I like listen to so much different music, uh, but like when I'm just it's just a cabin. I feel like maybe some Chardonnay, Lovers Rock. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite records. It's just so calming and yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll be like the zombies aren't going to kill me. Yeah, I'm just going to keep listening to this. <laughs> maybe it'll kind of chill them out. Yeah, right. You know. They'll just be like, ah. Oh. I'm not going to kill you, you know? Yeah. I'm surprised, um, you know, because you have an illustrious career. You're an acclaimed singer-songwriter. And I've seen, I've seen people at Red Rocks who honestly aren't that great. So I'm surprised you haven't played there before. Yeah, the opportunity has just never come. I mean, I've I've tried, you know. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like, Gregory, put me on there, you know. Right. <laughs> just like, um, just yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just thank you though for saying that. That's nice, but um, it's just never happened. Yeah, and I'm, I can't. Yeah, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm so excited. Do you remember yeah. the first concert that you saw there? I I don't remember exactly the first because I've been to a a lot. Um, like I, you know, I've seen so many cool like PJ Harvey, Cranberries. Wow. Like, um, I saw. Yeah, Tracy Chapman for me mm. was the big one that. I was pretty young during that, and that was just like, you know, yeah. just a huge show for me. Um, but yeah, growing up, you know, I feel like my we are not a, like I'm not religious. You know, didn't really grow up like you have to go to church or anything. But sometimes yeah. I remember we'd have to go to church, like like this Red Rocks thing on Christmas Eve. Hmm. I think it was Christmas Eve, so everyone would go there and sing or something. 
I don't really remember it that That's well. awesome. We, we would go there every year. And so I, yeah, I just, you know, it's so close to where I grew up that it yeah. just feels like, and I would always just be like, oh, wow. I just, I, I literally, if I play here, this is what I've said, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I play Red Rocks, I've made it, I'm going to retire. I'm done, you know? Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't quit <laughs> so, after that. I know. And now I'm like, well, I don't want to quit. You know, I'm not going to quit, but yeah. You know, it's just, it's that big of a thing for me. And, and I think people get it when they actually go there. They're like, whoa, that yeah. place is like here. There's the gorge, which is like mind blowingly beautiful mm-hmm. as well. But it's, it's, it's different. It's just like, there's just something about those rocks and mm-hmm. the setting and all the history of it that, yeah, just means so much to me. So I, I just, I feel like I'm going to try to just be as present as I can and enjoy it yeah and then be you know and then be done hopefully play there again yeah a lot of people don't realize that um, it was a native american ceremonial site you know where Mm -hmm. um um where they had music and and dancing and you know it's it's not simply you know a a concert venue that started well i think in 1941 or 42 Mm. you know it has this this long this long history of, of just being a really special place. Yeah. I, I didn't realize all yeah. the history of it either. So yeah, yeah. that's extra and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to get to go. Cause I, I want to hear you sing mountains are red and. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I, I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. So you haven't, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, but um, you haven't had an original full-length album for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like 2016 or 17? 17, yeah. yeah. I yeah. did a, like, strings thing after that. But, yeah, I haven't had... Yeah, I haven't had a record. And, you know, it's... Uh, I have a lot of songs. Um, I feel like I just... Yeah, I haven't just fully finished them. I've just... This is... If you look at my progress of each re- each record, it's usually mm-hmm. a pretty long time. But yeah, this is extra long. And I yeah. think, I think you know, the pandemic was really hard, like, as it was for everybody. But I, I don't, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to get so creative and write mm-hmm. all these amazing songs. And, you know, I was, I, you know, I have a job as well. Like, I work at a, my mm-hmm. good friends own a coffee shop. So I'm yeah. there a lot. And I think I... It was you know I've just been doing life mm-hmm. and you know trying to uh I've been you know I produced produced two records for Margot Silkler during this mm-hmm. time which has been that is like almost just as like you know like meaningful and right, right. to 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 have her songs come to life and kind of been experiencing and doing a lot of different other like a lot of things that are not writing another record you know sometimes it's just it's so much work. It's, I'm not touring as much, um, mm-hmm. you know, get in your head about it, but I'm like, I know it'll come. I know yeah. I'll have another record and you know, it, it, I'm still here. I'm still existing. I'm still writing songs, but yeah. I, the next step of finishing that is just been, yeah, it, it's starting to become more of a priority, but um, I think I've just been trying to, yeah, live life and get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So well, a bunch of people I've interviewed um, specifically. I'm thinking of Amelia from Sylvanesso. She said um, if she had the chance to do it again, she would not have put out a record during the pandemic. She's yeah. like, that was such a terrible idea yeah. you know, to, to try to stress over something like that uh, mm-hmm. instead of just trying to survive. Well, and I feel like it's like, exactly. And I feel like if you have something good or things are going to come, and if you if you do produce something that is good and you're not ready to do it, mm-hmm. like, that's fine. You know, like, I mean, I would think like, yeah, my fans might be like, Sarah's so lazy. Why isn't she, you know, whatever. But I'm kind of like, it's going to come. And yeah. I think that my music is the music that people... And, you know, yeah, like, it's like, what's the rush, really? I know mm-hmm. it's like, it needs to happen right now. Like she said during the pandemic, like, that's, yeah. I, I feel like it's like, it was such a weird time because it was like, we need to do things. People need music, especially right now. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, you know, they also have to tour on that and like make yeah. a living. And so, yeah, it's so, it's so loaded. Yeah. No. So, and so, yeah, it was just, it's such a hard time for musicians and industry and the whole thing. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Did you pick up any hobbies during the pandemic that were unexpected? Um, I was kind of learning some piano a little bit yeah. more, but I'm still pretty terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nothing really too weird, I don't think. Um, I was just busy, you know, I was, I was working a lot, like I was into the thick of it like mm-hmm. you know serving coffee and just kind of it which was nice but it was also kind of scary because you're like close to these people and you know am I going to get am I going to get it from them but there was something so I was so thankful to have some sort of a job that wasn't yeah. music because it just otherwise I just think I would have just yeah been so depressed yeah. and it just was it was a way for me to talk to people every day and kind of just, yeah, get through it together, you know? Do you ever have people come in the cafe who are starstruck? Does that ever happen? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it does happen. And it's it's a really, I actually had someone last week come in and say, she just look, was looking at me and she's like, has anyone ever told you you look like Sarah Cahoon? <laughs> and I was like, um... Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm Sarah, that that I am, you know, her. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's always just they're like, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and make you your sandwich now and make you a latte. So mm, yeah, <laughs> it's always a little awkward. They're all like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, because it's, it's, it's good for me. And, and again, like my two best friends own it. So it's just, it's like a family. It's just been like a nice place to exist go do something that's not music come home and maybe be creative and yeah help people mm-hmm. i don't know for some people they're starstruck by taylor swift or whatever but for me it, it would be um um adam from murder by death has a, an italian restaurant in kentucky so it, oh wow like if i went in there and he was like serving me dinner or if I went into a cafe and it was Sarah Cahoon, I would be way more starstruck than Taylor that's, Swift. That's cute. You know? <laughs> so uh, Lucinda Williams and Sade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so two more. Um, I would probably say Randy Travis. I love Storms oh. of Life. That record 
is kind of one I put on a lot. It just makes me happy. What a gentleman. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I love me some Missy Elliott. Oh. Like, super duper fly. Like, her first record is one of my favorites. Uh, I think it's her first one. Beep, beep. Who got the keys to the Jeep? I'm driving to the beach. Top down, loud sound, see my piece. I don't know I'm all over the place you know sometimes it's yeah. just but I think when I go to listen to music a lot of times it's it's a lot of folk and country because it's just calming to me yeah this brings me back to the last time that we talked we were talking about how we both really like sad shit yeah and, <laughs> and really feel good in the dark sort of songs like my my favorite yeah. album of all time by anybody is time out of mind by bob dylan and there could mm. not be a more morose album yeah now. for sure um and your last original album was like surprisingly up and um i don't want to say your your other material um, is negative but it, it it definitely has that more edgy i, I don't even know what word to use but um, where are you right now in your composing and, and yeah. how that, that might juxtapose your, your mindset and your, uh, your mood? Yeah, yeah it's, it's been funny, kind of funny because I, I, I do think a lot of my new songs so far have been pretty remote, remote, sorry, remote. Why can't I say that word? I don't know. Morose. Morose. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, I th I feel like sometimes I'm like, this just feels, yeah, like I get in my head about it where I'm just like, this is definitely very sad. Mm -hmm. But then some of them are, I think I've always like tried to, some of them just come out really sweet and I try to keep it like that. And then mm -hmm. a lot of the songs, there's a few that I've been writing that I just, yeah, have a very morose feel to them. But then I'm like, all my songs have kind of been like that. So it's hard for me to say, but I, I think a lot of them are a little moodier that I'm trying, you know? So I, yeah, I haven't quite made sense of what I have going on right now, Yeah, you know, because yeah. well, it, it, has, it has been so long mm -hmm. it, since I've released a record. So they're all, you know, they're a little all over the place because I wrote this then and I wrote this now. And so it's uh, trying to piece it all together. You know, how do you write a set list? Um, you know, when your songs are, I'm assuming, you know, so personal and you go through things in your life that, you know, might be ups and downs and might kind of change the, the mood of your songwriting or the outlook, you know, how do you write a set list based on, you know, maybe looking at it and saying, I don't really want to sing about that tonight, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I feel like that that doesn't happen as much for me. Yeah. I think um, at this point, it, you know, I've had my moments where, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to sing. I can't do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, um, the way I go about it is just like, yeah, like how how are all how do all these songs feel and how do they feel together, and kind of like breaking it up so I have some upbeat ones in there and. Mm. Um, you know, I love playing pretty much every single one of my songs. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, 
I just, you know, I have what four records. So it's like a lot of songs and a mm. lot of them that I like. And then I want to also throw a new one in there. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think if I'm really, yeah, having a terrible night about something, I might not play a few or something, you know, that I, right. but for the most part, I can just, yeah, I don't, I don't go that internal of my songs and I can't play any of them. Well, uh, music is like anything, you know, even, even in sports, if you're, if you're thinking too much, then you're probably not going to do a very good job. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah. You, you kind of have to feel it, of course, but yeah, you just do it. You just play it. Yeah. In it, you know? Well, ironically, uh, the one time in my life that I think I had the hardest time on stage just staying within myself was playing at Red Rocks because it was so beautiful that you just get sucked into the moment and <laughs> yeah. you gotta kind of... Yeah, yeah. Your... I, I worry about that. Like, I'm just going to be like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have some moments. I'm just, I'm hoping I'm just, yeah, not going to cry, you know, which I might, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with crying. Yeah. Especially if it's a happy cry. Yeah. It'll be, it, it will definitely be a happy cry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fifth and final album that um, you would take to the zombie apocalypse cabin. Oh, um... This is funny. I, I'm just like thinking about like being at a cabin, what I would want to listen to, you know, which is so many things. Cause I, yeah, it's so hard to pick yeah. like five. I'm just thinking of myself being at a cabin, which I have been a lot. And I love listening to Dolly Parton. Oh, um, the grass is blue. I don't know if you've heard that record. It's her blue grass, blue, mm -mm. blue grass record. It's so amazing. It's like one of my favorite records and it's like Dolly Parton, but kind of, you know, bluegrass, but yeah. all upbeat and like amazing. I don't know. Wow. We have a Spotify playlist for Mile High Stash where we always put one song from, from everybody's choices. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'll make sure to put that on there. So everybody yeah, can some, check it out. There's some real, there's some real gems in there. <laughs> Are you going to do some extended touring this summer or is it just kind of the one-offs um i'm gonna go i'm actually i think we're still being set up but i think i'm gonna go down through Mont montana to mm. hit you know at least billings maybe spokane i still haven't figured out a couple and then back home we'll probably hit boise but yeah not a ton i'm doing some closer ones around here but yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's just changed. It's, it's a lot harder to tour with a band, you know, mm -hmm. for me, which I'm bringing my band. Oh, great. I sold my uh, van during the pandemic as well, because, you know, it's it's so hard to keep it anywhere on the streets because, you know, there was just getting tickets for mm -hmm. like, you know, it's just I just feel like it was always something. And then it was, you know, also the pandemic really put it I just was like, I don't need this anymore. Every time I went to drive it, the battery would be dead or something. So I just sold it. And so now I'm just like, oh, why'd I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but 
I get why it's fine. So I got to like, you know, I'm just, yeah, it's like, it's just a different world these days for mm -hmm. me, you know? Well, it, it, um, it sounds like it's, it's also just going to be some gorgeous road tripping. I mean, Montana yeah. in the summer. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's going to be so fun. And maybe find a cabin, you know? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the last thing that I, I wanted to ask you is just, you know, um, who is your stylist? Because like, like people who listen to a Sarah Cahoon album um, might be surprised and they won't be able to see on the podcast, but you know, <laughs> you could be in a NWA, you know? Could be. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you, you know, I grew up, snowboarding and skateboarding yeah. so i'm i definitely kind of have that indie rock skateboard vibe i always have i've yeah. always worn beanies t-shirts um i did you know for a while was wearing some country you know cowboy shirts and stuff which mm -hmm. i still have like i feel like i i uh i go through phases but yeah i'm just i'm wearing a black t-shirt with a beanie and some glasses and and a fat gold chain too Oh yeah, the fat no, gold chain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found this in uh, Montana actually at like a little, uh, little antique store or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just this is how I I've always kind of dressed this way. Yeah. So. I'm impressed. I mean, I need a lot of work. You know. So <laughs> no I'm, way. I'm, you look awesome. I'm, I'm taking tips. <laughs> <laughs> what does your sweatshirt say? Oh, um, it's a venue in Colorado, oh. the Lariat. Oh. Um, in Buena Vista, um, it's, um, it's, it's such an amazing venue. It, it holds maybe 300 people and, oh, cool. and this guy, um, he bought it in like 2015 or 16. It's like a 150 year old bar, you know, th that oh, he wow. renovated and made just, it sounds amazing, but there's also no other venue I can think of that takes care of bands in the same way. Oh. Like they, they built um, like a four bedroom loft upstairs. So any band coming through automatically has a, an awesome place to stay. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great concept. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to go play there sometime. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I'd love to. Thank you so much for talking with me. And I hope you still have a chance to get out in the beautiful yeah, weather today. For sure. I will. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so great to, great to chat with you too. Thanks yeah. for taking the time. And uh, hopefully I'll see you when I'm in Colorado. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get a new album in the next decade. You know, that, that was... <laughs> the next 20 years. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was me and Sarah Cahoon, um, an amazing Seattle based singer songwriter who's also from Colorado, but she is playing Red Rocks for the first time ever on June 29th. Make sure to check that out if you're around here, and also make sure to dig in to Sarah's music uh, wherever you listen to stuff. Um, well, the first game of the doubleheader is over. Hopefully both teams had fun and no one got hurt, as, as the shirt that some people wear to sporting events now says. Next up is my chat with my dad. Tom Perry for Father's Day. Um, he's a great unknown guitar player and a really sweet guy. And uh, also a uh, 
longtime um, service manager for Tektronix and Xerox for, I don't know, 40 fucking years or something. Anyway, he lives in Pittsburgh where I grew up. He's pretty shy, but I somehow got him to sit down with me right here for Mile High Stash um, before he knew I was I was recording, basically. <laughs> that was right before I left for a trip to Puerto Rico uh, recently. I learned a lot about my dad during this conversation. And, uh, well, just the fact that he came all the way out here to Colorado from Pittsburgh to take care of my kid while I got to go hang out at the beach and see baseball in Puerto Rico says a lot about him, too. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. And um, one of the things, I'll just say the one thing I learned from this conversation that really shocked me was that my dad was in a very short-lived original band in high school probably for a matter of months it was like a like a instrumental surf rock band I think I probably judged my dad in the past you know for the fact that he was only ever in wedding bands and you know didn't pursue a career in original recording and performing um you know but what really moved me was that he was in a band in high school for a short time and they broke up basically because every single guy in the band went off to be in the military during the Vietnam War so that that's a pretty amazing story anyway yeah I hope you enjoy this chat and maybe sit down with your dad sometime ask him what his favorite music is and see where it goes from there Okay, so after all these years, there's a question I want to ask you that I don't think I I ever was told, but um, where do babies come from? <laughs> where do babies come from? I'm, I'm messing with you. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not really like an album guy where you, you like take out an album and just listen to that album. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, that's correct. But there must have been a time when you were in the 1960s. Well, yes, because the first Led Zeppelin, uh-huh. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh. So I was going to ask you, instead of five albums, I was going to ask you five artists. And then I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to guess them. Okay. And one of the artists that you said, one of my first memories of music is being five years old, and we, and we had a, a crappy record player that was for the kids, so we didn't mess it up. Yep. I think right. Yeah. Yeah. Was it red? I don't. I don't remember. I probably only played forty fives. Well, no. I don't think so. All right. Because one of my first memories of music was being five years old and and putting on Led Zeppelin one, your copy from the National Guard. Exactly, and it just went da da, and I was oh. like, "This is this like hits." Oh my, yes. So, is Led Zeppelin in your top five like favorite artist of all time? Hmm. <sighs> No, I'm thinking, I'm just 
so narrow-minded that when you say artist, uh -huh. I think of it singularly. Right. Versus well, okay. a group. Okay, so artists take... could have an S on the F to mean. Yeah, it could be a band. An you know. A band. Um, my first guess of my first guess of one of your favorite artists would be Carlos Santana. Yes. Okay, why? No one I think he's changed a little bit personality wise. He's one that can say so much with one note. Mm. It's not about speed, it's about emotion. And so, when you look at the raw video, so to speak, of Carlos and Greg Raleigh at Woodstock, mm -hmm. and the emotion that is there in those songs. They were on a lot of psychedelic drugs, Dad. Another. Oh, he said that the neck of the guitar was like a snake when he talks about it. He says, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize anything at all. He but, was dosed by Jerry Garcia but, in the story. For him to bring that type of music into the pop, rock... Latin music. Latin. Yeah. The the influence that he had as a, as a child, I don't mm. know if he was born in Mexico or in L.A. I believe he was born in Mexico, but he grew up in San Francisco in the Mission. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, and you've seen him play, you know, but not back then, like at Starlight Amphitheater. In, no, in, in no. Pittsburgh. Not yeah. until... Yeah. With you many years, many, many years Okay, later. my number two guess is Eric Clapton. And he, Is that he, correct? Yes, because, again, there's an emotion there, and some don't think it's quite as unique as some of the other artists that you may hear mentioned, uh, that um, he was raw, but I've, I've just read this book, Birth of Loud. Yeah. That focuses on... The Les Paul look. Leo Fender. Leo Fender. Bringing solid body guitars to the forefront yeah. and then how those different artists used them and, 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 and applied them. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the influence of Clapton and the different bands that he was in, f from those raw high school kind of bands that many of us were in it mm -hmm. at the start... And then the influence, Yardbirds and John Mayhall, I think was was first. And then continuing. And then the way he and some other of the British ones brought back to the forefront some of these blues players that never were realized the way they were until. So he's a musical influence in, in more ways than just yeah. performing. But have you heard his white nationalism rant on stage? I'm not happy with that. <laughs> I'm not happy with his stance on vaccinations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So him, that, and ben, him and Van Morrison. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, oh, I'm really disappointed, you know. Uh, yeah. When, when, when that comes out in someone and you think you know them, right. uh, I would wonder if that's a change in his overall personality and philosophy that's occurred over the uh, years. There has been racism over the years. He came out with a blues record that we both really liked, and he famously said that 
I never wanted to make a a blues album um, because I don't feel that a white guy can um, like have the same soul as a black man. And yet now I've been through so much in my life that I feel like I've experienced as much as a black man, you know, because his son died and all that. It's like not really necessary or true. But anyway, uh, number three, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think you like Anita Baker. We, yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah. You know, my... I was afraid you'd be like, what? No, 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 no. Yeah. I'll admit the list that's in my head when you asked the question initially about mm-hmm. artists ended up being on guitar players. Well, that's fine. Okay. You know, yeah. But yeah, yeah. bringing in... She has some uniqueness to her, but again, there's this raw emotion yeah. that's in every single song. You have to feel that. And so, while I'm usually hear rhythms before lyrics and enjoy the rhythms more than I enjoy lyrics. Mm-hmm. There's also the delivery, the not the performance, but bringing that song to life in such a, a vivid way. And I mean, Mom yeah. and I used to listen we, to, we, we literally wore out the, the CDs that we had of Anita Baker. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sad that, I don't even know, can't tell you if she's still performing. I don't. I haven't heard that name in a while. And somebody who I just heard that is performing, that again has that good emotion, is Taylor Dane, who you may... We've been hearing her <laughs> say, and I have been hearing randomly Taylor Dane songs on Denver radio. And I'm like, that's pretty good. But that that's <laughs> that's random. <laughs> I'm really surprised you said that. Think of yeah, that. she's good. Yeah, yeah. I just stumbled across. She was performing, I guess... Somewhat recently, and you know, you see these little clips on. She was TikTok. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it, was. it wasn't TikTok. <laughs> I think I think that that a lot of music in the '80s, if you take it out of the context of, of the engineering, you'd be surprised that it was really good. And I will include, and I talked about this with with Clay on the first ever episode of Mile High Stash, I would include Born in the USA because even when I was four or five and it was out, I thought this is really cheesy. And now if you take those songs, like there's a Jason Isbell version of the song Born in the USA and the lyrics are all about this Vietnam veteran and and it's like really... It's incredible. It's a great song. So Taylor Dane, maybe as well. Like maybe if you heard her sing like um, a, a blues song, you'd be like, wow, this is a good artist. Yeah. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Is that right? Not so much. Okay. Not, not okay. in that group. Okay. So the last two, I, I want, I'm not going to try to guess. I just want you to name them. Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy, who we saw at Jazz Fest in New Orleans. It's great. And I think I've seen him 
twice down there and um brings his brother on stage oh yeah um again it's somebody that puts so much into a note but then also someone in, influenced a different in a different generation yeah and then they enable him to have a resurgence yeah and he's still out there He was doing kind of a natural sustain with minimal effects on the guitar itself. And yet like BB King would do. And then getting just so much out of that note or something. Yeah. And he seems to enjoy too that typically part of his performance he'll do a little piece of um like My about time the, after a while. The That's a great no, no no the the he'll 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 say recognize this style and he'll say well that's bb oh that's, yeah that's yeah. albert king albert king and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know they all have that little bit of uniqueness yeah okay one more so the other one is bb king okay great i mean when you think again did you get to see him no he has mm. so much vibrato and emotion in that particular note and it's kind of unique to me because when I took lessons in my first exposure, there was nothing that even brought up the kind of vibrato vibration that you immediately teach a violinist mm. with their finger on the strings and the fretboard yeah. or the keyboard or the soundboard, whatever it would be called for them. There's no frets. Um, and that's been a challenge for me much later in life when I said, you know what, I never did that. And then it's hard to start doing it. It'd be easier mm. if you started doing it because you have a pull and a push and then you have a vibrato. Yeah. And then BB puts all of it there. But it's, it's a simplicity with him too. Have you ever seen the video of him changing a string like while he's singing yes. and playing? That's amazing. Yes. That, that's incredible. I mean, many have had to. There's one of Stevie Ray doing that. And, you know, I, I think it's more likely today that they'll turn around and some guitar tech will run out with another instrument. But some of them will change it on the fly mm -hmm. um, during a performance or during a song itself. But, yeah. um, and B.B. being another one who had a renewed career later in their lives. Mm. And he's someone who gave an opportunity to so many young, and I mean really young, guitarists under 12 years old. Wow. Um, and he would bring them on stage. The one that comes immediately to my mind is Joe Bonamassa. Who I don't know how familiar you, oh, yeah, yeah. you are with Joe. And I've kind of had an awareness of him since he was about eight or ten years old. I remember. I remember being in like junior high and, and you had a Joe 
<laughs> but he was in a band, right? Wasn't he? In a band he was in a that? band. His father owned a music store, and was it I called had Bloodline. Was that the Bloodline name of the band that he was in? Had yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Barry Oakley's son. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Virgil Truck son. They had about four, four sons, four you know uh, children, of pretty famous musicians. Yeah. And they had a band and Joe was skilled enough to be playing with them even though I think they were older at that time. And he Derek was, Trucks was this way too. He was merely you know? an instrumentalist. And as time went on, he picked up the ability to sing and whatever. He became And, a and he's a real niche kind of performer that I don't think there's a whole lot of awareness of him. But he, he plays has, Red Rocks. He's got a fan base. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's did yeah. Royal Albert Hall. and. Uh, Do you remember when we went to see The Who on John Entwistle's last ever tour? Really? Well, yes, I remember that, but yeah, I didn't know, you know this. Is, um, what was his nickname? The Ox was his nickname. I think he was the greatest bass player in rock. But it was it was raining really hard, and we were like under a tarp, and we were eating a pretzel of course. And the moment that they walked out on stage, I think they played Can't Explain and it just stopped raining. The rain stopped. It was amazing. <laughs> that was great. That's one of my favorite uh, concert experiences. And Zach Starkey, who's Ringo Starkey, yeah. Ringo Starr's son, um, was the drummer. Um, what are some, I mean, you've seen me play at mostly small venues uh, but like what is an experience of yours that you remember that you were on stage that it's like a highlight for you the night the police came on stage yeah and, when you were playing a wedding and and grabbed the microphone and, and said this wedding is over that's like it's like a blues brothers type yeah. scene you know so that was <laughs> that's hilarious that that's your <laughs> But no, I mean you're really good, and and like um, I really wish that there was video of you singing like "Who Can It Be Now" or or you may be right may or be right. or um, uh, taking care of business. I mean I I feel robbed of of their robbed of those. you know. And what were your outfits like? Well, that that. Band the Three Rivers Trio was let's say me as a twenty-five-year-old, a thirty-five-year-old Hammond keyboard player, and a forty-five-year-old drummer mm. for about ten years. So yeah. if you can imagine that all incremented up to thirty-five, forty-five, and fifty-five wow. at the end. And so it was weddings, it was political functions. We had uh, a monthly gig at some little German club and some bars and whatever it was. Um, Never anything was really hard. Where was this? This wedding was in like Lawrenceville? In Hazelwood. Hazelwood. Well, okay. And it was like a scene from the Blues Brothers after that. That's awesome. The policeman faced the crowd and said, this wedding is over. And he turned around to the the three band members and he says, you guys stay put. We will escort you out. That's awesome. We didn't know, but the bridal party had a massive fight outside. And all we could see was the lights flashing through the windows. Yeah. And it was like 
Yeah, they wanted to escort us out. It was not a safe area to start with, but that was a memorable one as far as, you know. What was your favorite song to sing? Um, I mean, those weren't, those weren't difficult. And um, I wasn't the, the primary singer, although I probably had a clearer voice than the keyboard player mm-hmm. many times. You have someone who's kind of a prima donna always, and you just let them carry the the band most of the time. That's not you, you know. And that's I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm the backup guy. Yeah, but you sang lead. I'm so the, what songs did you really enjoy singing lead on? Well, I mean they were they were fun, and then I would sing harmony on, uh, you know, what other songs like that. Okay. There were some slow songs like Daddy's Home, which is a real ballad uh-huh. thing that I could sing better than him because I had more sustain. Okay, there you go. And clarity. Did you and sing? And then there was a Pittsburgh classic called Someone, which was an uh-huh. odd chord progression. Like very the Marcells or something? A very slow, that era. Yeah, yeah. Very, very slow. Early to mid 60s. Yeah. But. One of those that I wish there were the Pittsburgh crowds would know recordings. Not many people know that um, the Marcells were a Pittsburgh band. You know, if, if for anybody listening who doesn't know the Marcells, that's the Bob what about the bang a bang bang the ding the ding 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 the blue moon song. Yeah, that's a rad song. Um, which Clapton brought into. Well, Kid Rock ripped it off too. He did his whole yeah. These Bob pieces the have shown up <laughs> all over the place. Do you know this song? It was on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and I had never heard it, and my kid had never heard it. It, it goes, uh, "There's a pawn shop on the corner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania." You know that one? I don't know if that was like uh, Patty Page or Perry Como. It was a guy, it, and it was a guy whose name I had never heard of. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably 50-ish. In the 50s, 1950s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Your other son is is like naturally gifted at the guitar, you know, but was never really like in a band. Um, But I I should interview him sometime. Um, So the reason that you're in town is so that um, you can take... Care of my wonderful daughter. Are you going to have any jam sessions with all these guitars in my house? Well, I was hoping to do an open mic. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I I would fly back from Puerto Rico to see that. That would be great. There is a video on YouTube of me and you at the Shadow Lounge, Shadow, in in Pittsburgh, and you were. When did you start to have stage fright? Was it later in life? Probably all, always. Really? I, I mean, it's just the nervousness of that moment if, if it's just you. I mean, I... I it wasn't. I it sang, was me. I was singing the song. Yeah, but I mean, I hadn't performed for... Yeah, that's why I was saying. I think it was just because... A long it, time, yeah. and it wasn't a crowd that would make you nervous there either. I mean, and, and I, uh, I had two solos in the class... Musical in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sang the first folk mass at uh, our local Catholic church, many alone. Mm. Um, but taking the solo, I can freeze. So it, I'm just mm. more comfortable in the in the backup mode, singing rhythm, not singing rhythm, but playing singing rhythm, or playing singing rhythm. harmonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you not go to Woodstock? What's up with that? It was right down the road. I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, our our circle, um, our circle of friends in that high school, and just let's say post high school, right? Six. I graduated in '67, so it was the summer of '68, and then '69, uh, I went into the National Guard. So, hmm. um. I had no awareness of it because we were into the Motown scene. We were into the... You were going to the Grove to dance. Yeah, m m more into the... Uh, it, it could have been the Four Tops. Um, girls on our street were listening to the Four Seasons and another group of girls were listening to the Beach Boys. Um, nobody really got into the... The Beatles, and I think mm -hmm. part of that was that we were also not kids that went right into college, which right. was more yeah, of right. the, the folk scene. Yeah, yeah. And I might have been one of the few in our particular neighborhood that was listening to WDVE, which was a little bit more progressive. If that, was that what you would call it? It would play... Well, back then it was AM radio, right? And they were playing... No, no, no. no. It was, no? It was, that was, FM was just kicking in it was yeah, yeah, yeah. commercial free it was a sister station to w or to kqv which mm -hmm. was the pop rock or whatever you'd call it then yeah yeah. they would play everything from 50s into the beatles but wdve was commercial free and they were playing jeffro tall and blood sweat and tears mm -hmm. um, things that just weren't on am radio did you know that i just learned this the other day blood sweat and tears was very cool and they and they won um a grammy over the beatles in the late 60s and some of them were activists and the united states government blackmailed them into doing a tour behind the iron curtain really no i did not know that this it's an incredible story it was just in rolling stone this huge um story about it and so they were subsequently sort of seen as sellouts and uncool even though they come out of the gate with uh with spinning wheel is that, what, spinning is that wheel. them and all this stuff so you made me so very happy yeah so i just think that's an amazing story um anyway when just one more little side note yeah on blood sweat and tears i'm staying on topic yeah um that Unlike recording me was used by the most prestigious audio equipment store in downtown Pittsburgh in the whole western Pennsylvania. Had all of these brands that we couldn't afford of mm -hmm. audio equipment at the time. Yeah. Whenever it started to become components versus a hi-fi and a big piece of wooden furniture. They would put on that Blood, Sweat, and Tears album for its clarity and quality of 
and then you know play it as loud as possible yeah. and say, listen how you can hear this, listen how you can hear that. That reminds me of that scene in Boogie Nights where Don Cheadle's character sells stereo equipment and people are all, all excited about it, but then he, he is just randomly really into country music, so he'll turn that oh. on and people are like, well, this doesn't... <laughs> it's not a very good example, you know. So you were saying this morning something that I never knew, that, that you were ever in a band that made original music so you were in an instrumental band that was trying to be like a surf rock yeah thing this is amazing to me and it was called impact the impacts the impacts okay plural impacts yeah yes with john john Lindgren. Lindgren. so why did you not sort of say like like let's go somewhere with this um Let's go somewhere. So he's a senior. I'm a junior. There was a third guitar player that we made just play bass on his guitar. Um, he was a sophomore. And then Kevin, um, who was seriously wounded in Vietnam um, shortly after, year after high school, mm -hmm. he was on drums. And it was really this John Wengren who had... Uh, sort of pulled these pokes together from school. And he wanted to name the band after his girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> Her crazy. name was Norma. He wanted to be called Normals, and nobody thought that name was cool at all. So he was upset when we had to pick a name out of the sky because it was going to get into school paper. Who's going to be playing Friday night or something? That's great. But anyway, it was just, it was instrumentals, probably because it was, you know, easy, and, and you had so many distinguishable songs that were, by today's, norm of guitar players very very simple the walk don't runs the pipeline the wipeouts mm -hmm. yeah and these were coming from or in pittsburgh wipe out wipe out yeah uh -huh. they were coming from the west coast yeah yeah i mean california the surfing sort of a thing mm -hmm. so they were definitely easier and i <laughs> but you guys wrote some of your own there was some of our own that were in that same this, this is genre, news to me. Let's Was say. there ever even like a four track? I mean, even in 1965, you're talking about high school, a four track would have been very advanced. So, was there even like a a a recording of any kind? Yes, everything was recorded. Where are these? Where are these tapes? I where have, are the tapes? I have no idea. Come on, <laughs> we gotta find this. There are no, there are, there are no tapes of all the yeah. all the rehearsals. Everything got taped. Man, well, we gotta find this stuff. John, and John. Sadly, he passed away. I know. I tried asking you about John a few years ago, and you basically just said, "I can't talk about it." it, it he was a, a very good friend, but yet he never shared much personal information with anybody. Yeah, probably more with me than. Others. Well, he died. He was only about 40. And he, he, he committed suicide, unfortunately. Yeah. I remember him coming around. He, he, for some reason, got very paranoid about many, many, many things. He was very outgoing and maybe, maybe manic or bipolar or something like that. Yeah. A lot of opinions, that kind of a thing. Like your dad. A lot of opinions. Well, yeah. 
I mean, extremely bright. He was national honor, and yeah, yeah. he was in uh, Carnegie Tech. It was yeah. Carnegie Mellon, but Carnegie right, Tech right. Was, was the first school. For so the answer to why did the impacts not have a career momentum arc? Partly because the drummer went to Vietnam. Yeah, and John ended up enlisting in the army and ended up in Germany. Oh yeah. I, well, that's way better than Vietnam. Yeah, and I I get into the National Guard and you know just different bases in the United States at that point, and then yeah. the other guitarist went into the Air Force for four years. So it wow. ended up all four of us went into some branch of the military. It was either that or the steel mill, probably. For some of them, for sure. That's what a, the pro progression would have been. <laughs> you once told me that when you were a kid, you knew which mill your friend's dads worked in by the color of their car when they got home from work. Exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. Each of the mills, which were factories, had a different function in the process. So some of the mills would be using the raw materials, the iron ore and the coke, and that would produce a different, let's say, maybe that was orange. Yeah, yeah. And then in another mill was another step in the process. It would produce a yellow dust, and another one put, produce a gray dust. And your dad didn't work in a mill, more like a factory. In a factory, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have something to get off my chest. I think I was in the eighth grade, seventh grade, maybe. And me and my friends played... A Bad Religion song and a Green Day song. I mean, like a bunch of Green Day songs. Green Day was was brand new. And we had an awesome video of it that I was very excited about. Um, and my brother, who at the time was a total dick, he asked you to record a like late night with Letterman appearance by Dave fucking Matthews. I mean, I, I Dave Matthews. <laughs> and you accidentally recorded over that. I was really upset. I was, it was one of those, one of those times. I've seen you like this and I've been like this sometimes if I'm upset with my kid where I'm so upset that I can't even express anger. I just sit there and go, I can't believe I can't believe this yeah. happened. I don't even have a way that I can react to this. But hopefully, nobody recorded over the amazing garage tapes of the impacts and their. their well, they were big. Reel to reel. They might even been fifteen inch because yeah. they. Literally, this John and a friend actually had bought a big Revox which was a big name at, at that time. They, He's got to be around somewhere. Those are hard to lose. Uh, and I... He, he taped every rehearsal, so there's probably, you know, a yeah. dozen tapes of Wipeout and I've changed the pipeline. Yeah. I wish there were <laughs> tapes of me and you playing Sunshine of Your Love, which you would play on the SG and sing, and I'd play drums and, you know... Um, the Red Pearl set. Man, if there was a tape of that, well, that would be cool. What I remember is um, One Way Out 
right? The Alban Brothers. And all the stops. And I just could feel that you understood rhythm at, at that point in time mm-hmm. because there's a rhythm that goes on and then it stops. And then there's a rhythm that goes on and it stops. And you have to come in and out of that. I've, I've always understood rhythm. I have a hard time with anybody who has ever played with me. They'll say, well, Adam has good rhythm and feel, but the time and the dynamics, I'm, I'm not a pro. So, and that's okay. That's fine. That's right. Okay. This is the this is the end of our conversation and and, and the airing of grievances. Do you have any airing of grievances that you need to do? Mm. No. Now's the time. I mean, not that I can. Not that I'm trying to hide something, but uh, no. Only other than. We could have played more songs at home. <laughs> we should have started. What band, age I mean, were you? you know? I, I remember fourth or fifth grade, but what, what um, age was that? I mean, if I had the red pearl drum set, then it was sixth grade, seventh grade. You know, and the band that I was in was called Mind Riot at the time, the sixth grade. You know, named right, after right. a Soundgarden song. Okay. And you carried around that big Pearl Ride symbol. Whenever there was a, a band paste. performance at school. Was it paste or? Yeah, paste. Yeah, it was a pasty. A big ride. When it was your term at the kit. You. I wanted that. Yeah, that's right. And it would just ring that. throughout the auditorium. That was not a good sounding ride symbol. <laughs> that was a shitty. Yeah. Uh, me and Clay went shopping for ride symbols when we when we made the uh, Gasoline Lollipop Soul Mine uh, album, and uh, we found this incredible ride symbol. It's it's much bigger. It's 22 inches, and it's called like a big ugly ride. And it's made. It's just like they beat the shit out of it when they're manufacturing, it, and it looks like a hundred year old oh. ride symbol. And it's as dark. It's the opposite of this paste. Uh, one that you're talking about. And it's so dark, and it just sounds amazing. It sounds like a hundred-year-old dark, you know, Zildjian, and it's just really nice. That paste one you're talking about, it is so bright, or, or it was so bright, that no matter where you played it, it sounded like you were playing the bell. Mm. You know, that sounds awful to me now. Anyway, thank you uh, uh, for talking with me, and I love you. And you're really good at the guitar. Um, you have good taste as well. Anita Baker and Santana. I mean, come on. That's great. Anita's great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And um, that's That surprises me. It, surpri- it surprises you that I knew that, that I thought of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know you pretty really? good. Well, I mean, to veer away from... A guitar player or mm. rock band or blues or something like that. That's really like, boom, Anita Baker. Hell it's yeah. Right on. Yeah, I mean, people ask me what my favorite stuff is, and I would say The Clash, you know, before anything else. But then I would say, like, the instrumental version of Lush Life by Coltrane is my favorite recording of all time. And I think that would surprise people more than a beloved 
mm-hmm. pop singer like Anita Baker. So, you know, maybe the reason that I have a taste in music that's just sort of like, well, if it's good, I like it. I mean, I was raised on classic rock radio, but I I also saw your sort of excitement just when something was on the radio that was good, whether it was like Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne or it was uh, um, Manic Monday or something, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you, and let's go hey. and take my kiddo out for some food. All right. All right. Give you another hour, then I gotta run, I gotta fly away, leave you to fall. That was my dad, Tom, and me talking music. And uh, I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day to you and all of the devoted, involved, loving fathers out there. Um, if, if you're not one of those, well, maybe give your kid a call and just say, How's it going? That's how a lot of good conversations start. Uh, thanks for listening to Mile High Stash, and we'll see you right here next Monday, as usual. Um, if you can, I would love it if you went to Apple Podcasts and left a review. It really does help. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk soon. Everything will fall. I want to go back. Oh,